So our reading is from the book of Acts, beginning at uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Juliet, and good evening, everybody. I've got a visual aid for you tonight, so that's just for you to wonder about what's going to happen with that bucket. You musicians, you might want, if you want to see the visual aid, you might need to come further forward, but if you don't want to see the visual aid, that's fine for you to sit back there uh, as well. And for those who don't know, my name's Jonathan G. I'm the vicar here. For those who don't know, Juliet is my wife, my much better half, who just read that, who has put up with me for 32 years. We celebrated our... So I think she deserves a round of applause for... The, They obviously don't know how difficult I am to live with her. It would have been much more ecstatic than that. Now, the day of Pentecost was one of three great feasts the Jews had. Passover, you know about Passover. Easter happened at Passover time. Uh, Pentecost, 50 days later, that's where the Penti bit comes from. Seven weeks, 49 days, 50 days later. Uh, and then the other third of the great feasts was Tabernacles in the autumn. And all of them 
captured something of Israel's history. Passover, obviously, the rescue from Egypt. Tabernacles later on, uh, the dwelling in as they passed through the wilderness, having to live in tents uh, on the move. And Passover celebrated the giving of the law as God gave the law on Mount Sinai. And Jews from all over the known world came to Jerusalem to celebrate these feasts. And as you heard uh, in the reading, people heard the language, their languages spoken as the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost. Uh, now, I preached about this this morning, and if you want a really well-prepared sermon, you need to listen to this morning's one. Uh, but God's put two things on my heart for this evening. They're not as well-prepared, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to say them. So let's pray that God will speak afresh. Uh, if this sermon uh, doesn't go as well, I apologise in advance, and we won't, we won't put it up on the website. Uh, there's this morning's one. But let's pray that God would turn up and speak to us this evening. Lord God, our Father, how we praise you that you are a God who speaks. You've spoken through the scriptures. You've spoken supremely through Jesus. And as we celebrate the day of Pentecost today, pour out your Holy Spirit on us afresh tonight. On me as I speak what you put on my heart for tonight. On us as we listen. May we hear you speak through your word and to us about our relationship with you. And lead us, we pray, to be wide open to what you want to do in us by your Holy Spirit, as individuals and as a church. And we pray these things in your great name. Amen. So this morning's sermon, if you want to go there and listen to it, I picked up on the violent wind, the fact that there's this tremendous power that God has, that we need. We can't do what he's calling us to do without the power of God in our lives. I picked up on the tongues of flame that came to rest on every one of them. There were 120 there in the upper room, not just the apostles, not just Mary, the mother of Jesus. His brothers were there as well, we read, and the other followers, 120 of them on every single one of them. And I picked up how God wants to pour the fire of his love into your heart and mine, every one of you, so we know his love by his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves to take this knowledge of God from our heads right down into our innermost being so we know. I picked up on the fact that the Holy Spirit helps us call God our Abba, our Father. And when I was in Israel for a year, I'd see, I was in a Christian conference centre and uh, one family there had children at kindergarten. I'd see them come back from kindergarten and their dad would meet them and they'd go, Abba, Abba, Abba. And he'd scoop them up in his arms uh, and give them a big hug. And uh, they're just as much his children when they were in the kindergarten, but they experienced that love more when they were scooped up in his arms. And the Holy Spirit wants us to know God's love, and we'll pray that he'd help us to know that. That's the themes of wind and fire. But there's another strand that runs the whole way through the scriptures, illustrating the Holy Spirit, and that is water. There's no water illustration on the day of Pentecost, but there's great water illustration in the Bible. Uh, and I want to read to you what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. So this is one of the feasts in Jerusalem where Jesus is there in his ministry. On the last and greatest day of that festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. 
Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So here's a water theme. If you listened this morning, you had fire and wind. Um, you've got water this evening. Running through the whole of the Old Testament is the work of God by his Holy Spirit. He's there in creation. Uh, God breathed, the Spirit was hovering over the, the darkness and the chaos. He's there as the first men, man and woman are made. God breathes his breath, his ruach, his spirit into them and gives life. And all the way through the Old Testament, God comes on particular individuals at particular times for particular tasks. Uh, someone like Bezalel, who was the chief craftsman of the tabernacle, God was filled with God's Holy Spirit. Someone like Gideon for leadership. Uh, a fairly timid fellow was filled with the Holy Spirit for leadership. Someone like Isaiah was filled with the Holy Spirit for prophecy. Uh, but it was only on a few individuals. But running through the Old Testament was a promise that one day God would pour out his Spirit on everyone. Jeremiah says a day is coming when there's a new covenant. Ezekiel says, uh, I'm going to take away your heart of stone and put a heart of flesh in you. I'll give you my Holy Spirit. And Ezekiel had this imagery um, you can read it, it's a long chapter 47, of a stream of water flowing out from the temple in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's up on a high mountain, down to the east, down through <coughs> all the sort of rugged desert terrain, all the way down to the Dead Sea. And in Ezekiel 47, the water starts as a trickle and it gets bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper until it's a raging flood and bringing life wherever it goes. And it's a picture of God's Holy Spirit. And then we have uh, in the Old Testament the verses from Joel that Peter quoted in his sermon. So quoted in verse 17 and 18 uh, is <clears throat> where Joel says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, not just on a few for a particular task or time, but on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on the servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So in the Old Testament, the spirit is given just to a few, but most people not. But a day is coming that all the prophets point to. And Joel says, when the spirit will be poured on all God's people, men and women, old and young, uh, if you like, bosses and servants, the whole, all of God's people uh, will receive God's Holy Spirit. Uh, and on the day of Pentecost, that's what came. All 120 who were there were filled with the Spirit. And then Peter preaches this great sermon and 3,000 are converted. And uh, it's often called the birthday of the church. It's certainly the day when the church got the power and the energy. Uh, so it's a good day to celebrate uh, but the first point I want to make this evening is that the Holy Spirit is for each one of you, every single one. So let me read to you again those verses from John, uh, where Jesus says uh, these words, John chapter 7. And hear these, as it were, as if Jesus is speaking these to you tonight. John chapter 7. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, <coughs> rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus hadn't been glorified. So Jesus told the disciples on, in the upper room the night before he died that he was going away. It was for their good he was going away. Once he went, he would be able to pour out his Spirit on all of them. Until that time... Uh, 
They were only in contact with Jesus if they're in the same room as him. But once he ascended into heaven, he's poured out his Holy Spirit on all of us so we can all know God the Father intimately. And this promise of the Spirit that Jesus gives here in John 7 is a wonderful, wonderful uh, promise. And this is where the visual aid comes in. So I hope you're not too excited because it's not that dramatic a visual aid. But here we go. It's a water visual aid. I've got here a vase of water. Uh, and you can picture this as Holy Spirit, the water represented. And you can picture this rather dull bucket as like me or you. And God offers to pour his Holy Spirit into our lives. So here we go. There we go. So it poured right there. Now we think once we've, we come to faith in Jesus, uh, that God fills us with spirit, we often have a bit of a honeymoon period in our faith. And we think that's fantastic, but then things can go a bit dry sometimes. Uh, perhaps we get a bit stuck in our faith, perhaps we drift a bit, perhaps something goes a bit wrong, and we think, oh, it's all just gone a bit dry, and we see other people being blessed, and we think that God's got no more for us. It's not true. God wants to pour out his spirit on everybody, and there is more. Uh, and this is the really clever bit, because just like God has more by his spirit, there's more in my vase, and if you come back to God, there's more, you see, so we can pour it out again. Now I've got your attention. Uh, I love doing this in primary schools, and kids ask how it works. And I say, well, your teachers are clever people. You ask them, they'll know how it works. And they all come up to me afterwards and want to know how this works. This, obviously, is a great trick and a wonderful visual aid. But there is no trick with God. He promises to pour out his Holy Spirit without measure, it says in John chapter 3. There is more of God's Spirit for us just like there's more water in my vase, and I can pour that out again and again and again. Now, Jesus said in, the, in John 7 that if you come and get the Spirit from him, it will be like streams of living water welling up from within you. And I find this happens, and if you've been a Christian any length of time, I think you'll find this, that God, ideally at the start of each day, you give God the first bit of the day, and you come to him for fresh filling, and he fills you up, and you give yourself out all day, you're absolutely exhausted. Uh, you come back the next day and ask God to fill you, and you find there's more, just like there's more there. I'll tip it right out now. Uh, but day by day by day, there's more, and God has more for you. And I particularly want to say that this is going to not sound great. Well, it's not going to be brilliant for those of you who are listening on audio at a later date. I'm really sorry, you should have been here. Uh, but the, <laughs> God has got his Holy Spirit for you. You have to wonder what this amazing visual aid was. Uh, the point is, God has his gift of his Holy Spirit for you. And especially if you are feeling dry tonight, we want to pray that God would fill you afresh with his Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter said, the Holy Spirit is for everyone including those who are far off at the end of the sermon. That includes Leamington Spa in 2021. Now, I could go on doing this. Well, I can't actually do it all evening because there will come a point where the trick will wear out and it won't work anymore. Uh, so I'll leave it there, probably. We might just try one more. Uh, but there is more for you. And uh, if you remember, you'll, go, you'll probably remember this sermon. That's the great thing about visual aids. And even if you don't remember anything I said, remember that God has more for you for his Holy Spirit there is all through his Holy Spirit there is always more for you as individuals for us as a church uh, and we pray that God would pour out the spirit let's do it one more time there we go right okay that's the end of the illustration for now and the end of the first point so there's more 
and I'll move the bucket out of the way and we'll come on to the second point. So that's the first thing on the day of Pentecost. God pours out his spirit for everyone who comes to Jesus. You bow the knee to Jesus as your Lord. He cleanses you from your sin. He fills you with the spirit. He adopts you in his family. Uh, and there is more. And this is for you, uh, not just for those people sitting next to you or for everybody else. <clears throat> now, the second thing I want to talk about this evening, we'll pray into all that in a minute, is that God has his Holy Spirit for the church. And this has been the thing that struck me most reading through Acts 2 this week and preparing for this sermon tonight. And what struck me was this, all the different languages that God <coughs> gave to the 120 of the disciples, all the different people from the different cultures that were there. Perhaps let's just read this bit again. Daniel, can you go to Acts 2? We'll read from verse 4 uh, to verse 12, if that's all right. Thank you. Brilliant. Uh, so the 120 of them in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages, other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And then that wonderful long list that Juliet read so nicely. Uh, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And it is a brilliant question. Why has God chosen the day of Pentecost to pour out his spirit? He told the disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait, and in a few days you'll receive the gift of the Spirit. He didn't say it would be on the day of Pentecost. He just said, wait. They were waiting. They didn't know how long it would be. Why didn't God do it the week before? Why didn't he do it the week after? Why was it he wanted it on the day of Pentecost? Well, I think it's not actually difficult to work out. All these languages are there, these people groups from different languages, and God enables all the, the wonders, the the mighty acts of God, Jesus' death and resurrection supremely to be declared in all these languages. And it must be to make the point that the gospel is for every culture and every language and not just one particular culture, not just for the Jews in Jerusalem, not just for white Westerners in the 21st century here, but for every people group and every language. God wants people from every tongue and tribe to come to him. Do you know this, the wonderful verse in Revelation 5, uh, where they're singing a song to Jesus the Lamb, and they say, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. People from every tribe and language and people and nation. Now, I think God is saying something to us as a church about this. I've been, I think, together with so many in the world, pondering the whole issues of racism ever since George Floyd's death a year ago. And this amazing sort of moment in our time of us particularly perhaps here in the west particularly perhaps here in England thinking what are we missing what are we not seeing 
how do we need to change? What needs to be different? I've been reading, I've been thinking, I've been listening, I've been praying, I've been talking. And have the sense that God wants to do something new among us at St. Paul's to develop this. So we've gathered a group of 12 people from different racial backgrounds. We've just met once so far by Zoom, which wasn't ideal. Uh, We're meeting again soon in person, which will be good. We're going to meet roughly monthly. And we are talking and praying, Lord, how do you want us to be different here at St. Paul's? And that first, as I look around the room, there are a few people uh, here who are part of that group. That first meeting by Zoom, there were just nine of us there. Uh, Two white faces, that was me and Carolyn, our church warden, uh, and then seven faces that were brown or black. And we talked together and prayed together. And as we prayed together, I found the tears rolling down my cheeks. I'd never been in a prayer group where there were two white faces to seven differently colored faces. It was like God was saying, this is something special. Now, in our church family, we have people of well over 20 different national and racial backgrounds. But you would never know that from up front. It's great having Michelle lead up front tonight and as an intern. Uh, It's great having more people uh, beginning to get involved in leading and up front from different racial backgrounds. Uh, But there's got to be a way of expressing this better, and we're asking for the Lord how to do that. Uh, But we really want to see what does God want to do among us here at St. Paul's, And how can we be better his people, not just male and female, not just old and young, not just perhaps from richer or poorer backgrounds, but black and white and every colour in between. Uh, And God's doing something. I'm not quite sure what it is, uh, but there's something he's doing. I've noticed how Lemmington's changed. Uh, Julia and I have lived here 21 years now. When we came, um, there has been a strong Sikh community in Lemmington for a long time more based down in the south of town than the north of town. The north of town 21 years ago was much more white western. What I notice now when I walk around Lemington, and I've, starting last year, going on longer walks, is it's very rare to go on a walk around Lemington, whether it's down the parade or along the canal or over the common. It's very rare not to hear someone speaking a different language, either a group of people, two people or three people talking a different language or someone on their phone. I recognise some of the languages. Uh, I don't recognise others of the languages. But it's pretty rare to go on a longish walk and not hear different languages. Uh, Lemington has become much more multicultural. And we have people in our church family from lots of different uh, ethnic and racial backgrounds, uh, some with different languages as their first tongue. That means we ought to be expressing this in our church somehow. Uh, So just to give a flavour of that tonight, I've asked four or five people, because it's a little bit dimmer in here, I can't see if everyone's here, uh, four or five people uh, who who have another language, um, most of them by ethnicity, one of them not so, and I'll explain that in a minute, to come and read John chapter 3 verse 16, uh, which is a verse that describes the mighty acts of God, if you like, in their own native language or in the other language that's special. Uh, so can we just put up John 3.16 first in English? For those that are not familiar, the most famous verse in the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And just as an expression of the fact that we are part of a multi-ethnic church, even though it doesn't look like that, uh, if I've asked you to read, could you come up and gather down by the bottom of the lectern and we'll have you in turn to read 
Uh, so first of all, we'll have Chowie come and read to us in Mandarin Chinese. I know Alicia was looking really worried a minute ago. That I was going to ask her to come and read in, in Mandarin. Uh, I could have said, we've got a Mandarin reader here tonight. Would you come and read, Chowie? <laughs> there we go. So Chowie, let's hear John 3.16 in Mandarin. Shen ai shi ren. Shen zhi ba ta de du sheng zi zi gei ta men. Jiao yi qie xin ta de bu shi. Thank you, Chowie. And I'm trusting that was John 3.16. What do you reckon, Alicia? Was that? <laughs> Not so sure, it's gone. Right, Bav. Uh, so Chowie came to faith. We heard his testimony uh, last week or the week before on Sunday evening. Bav coming from, this is Gujarati, from an Indian this is, background. This is something that I'm very, like, because I speak Ugandan, Indian. This is, this is difficult for me as well. This is, this is pure Gujarati. Right, good luck. Yohana Tranasur. Kemke Ishware Jagpar Etlo Prem Karyo Ke Tamne Potane Eki Janita Dikro Apio Emate Ke Jo Koi Tamne Parvishvaskare Tona Nase Na Thaye Pante Anjivena Pome. Well done, Bav. I know that's tested you. Now, Carolyn. Uh, worked out in Senegal translating the Bible into a language. So just tell us what this language is that you've translated. Was it the whole Bible or just the New Testament? Just the New Testament. And you've got that in front of you, mm -hmm. the New Testament you translated. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Uh, tell us what the language is. Fulakunda. Uh, which is a tribal language in Senegal. Uh, like, yeah. yeah. Great. John 3.16 in Fulakunda. Alayidi Adonao. Hambo okiribito makobadjo o. Fiha gumdindo himakowo, water no mai. Kononombo heb wurde ha habadande. Hallelujah. Thank you. Uh, and I've also got Kira as an intern who was in Austria last year, we'll probably in Austria next year. So this is going to be, I said Austrian earlier, this is going to be German. So let's have John 3.16 in German. Den so hat Gott der Welt seine Liebe gezeigt. Er gab seinen einzigen Sohn dafür, dass jeder, der er an ihn glaubt, nicht ins Verderben geht, sondern ewiges Leben hat. Thank you. And is David here this evening? He said he might not get back in time. So, right, we, we could have had Urdu as well. Uh, but that is just an expression. If I'd thought about this properly in advance, we probably could have had 20 different people reading. I would have preached a shorter sermon. But... We have in our church family some people for whom another language is a first language, some for whom it's a second. But God is doing something among us. We're not quite sure what it will look like, but our allegiance is to Jesus, the King of Kings. Uh, we come from different nationalities, most of us obviously British. Uh, we're called to love everybody, to serve in this nation, but our allegiance is to Jesus. Uh, and I'm going to pray in a moment that he would not only fill us individually with his spirit, but he would pour his Holy Spirit on us uh, as a church and lead us to express our life as a church in a way that honours him more. So the early church was this multicultural church. 3,000 were baptised that first day. Must have been many from these different nations. Uh, it wasn't long before the early church hit a real snag, though. We don't know how long. Acts doesn't give us the precise time scale. It may have just been a year or two. It may have been four or five. But in Acts 6, uh, there was a tension between the Hebraic widows, the Jewish background widows, and the Greek-speaking widows. 
uh, there was a really good food distribution program, but the Greek-speaking widows were feeling they were being overlooked and the Jewish widows were getting the food and the Greek ones weren't. And the, this, this threatened, to, this racial tension threatened to derail the church. And the apostles prayed about it and they appointed seven deacons to oversee the food ministry, but they appointed seven Greek-speaking ones uh, to do it. And then they did such a good job, the church remained united. And the leadership of the church became multicultural. Uh, let me just read to you from Acts 13.1. Uh, this is the church in Antioch where Barnabas went, where he got Saul to come and help him in the leadership. And we, in Acts 13.1, we, we get a, sn a snapshot of the leadership of that church. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrach and Saul. That is a lot of different nationalities there, white and black, Jew and Gentile. I heard just this week uh, that Antioch at that time had racial tensions themselves. I don't know whether it was race riots, but a lot of tensions. But the church expressed a multiracial uh, love for each other. And it was in Antioch that they were first called Christians. They were first called these Christ people. There was something about uh, the harmony that people noticed and was different. Uh, so I want to pray that God would pour his Holy Spirit down on each of us individually, that he'd, as it were, fill up our bucket afresh, that he'd pour his spirit into us. But also on us as a church. And lastly, before I do, one more verse to look at. Luke chapter 11, 9 to 13. Jesus says, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So some of you uh, may be new to church, new to these things, drawn to Jesus, wanting that refreshing of his Holy Spirit, the streams of living waters to fill you. But just wondering, well, what will happen if we pray for God to come by his Spirit? Uh, will anything happen? Well, Jesus says, yes, it will. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who seeks will find. Everyone who knocks, it will be opened. Six times Jesus underlines, if you ask, seek, knock, this will happen. Some people ask, well, will this be good? Uh, am I sure about this? And Jesus says, look, you all know how to give good gifts to your children, even though you're not perfect. In Hebrew, even though you're evil. Uh, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This is the best gift of all. And God pours out his Holy Spirit, uh, his very self into our lives, uh, to everyone who asks. Uh, so would you stand and let's pray some, both individually and together. And then we'll finish with a song together uh, in a few minutes.